0: We adopted the Detroit Lions at the start of the year. Producer Jay and I, we wanted to adopt one team. And back when they had just a single win, there were some of you who came at us on social media and asked us if we were still on board with the Lions. And lo and behold, they have reversed course. And I think we're seeing the value of strong coaching that builds from the bottom up. Right? The, the value of having the right people in place. Now their defense is still young and has given up a ton of points. But the offense is one of the best in the NFL. And they're never out of games. We saw that in the first year with Dan Campbell. And so here they are back to 500. And maybe uh, they're not officially eliminated, obviously, because we've got three weeks to go. They're seven and seven. The commanders are seven, six, and one. The Giants are eight, five. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I just hiccuped. (laughs) Good morning to you and to me. (laughs) I guess the the Giants make me hiccup. (laughs) The uh, wild card standings in the NFL make me hiccup. I mean, only sixth graders, not sixth graders, six-year-olds hiccup and me. So the Giants are eight, five, and one. Both those teams, along with the Seahawks, who were 7-7, seven and seven, same record as the Lions, both those teams are well within striking distance of Detroit, if they continue winning, right? So they've got to take care of their business. They don't necessarily control their own destiny. You know how much we love that phrase this time of the year. They don't control their own path. They're not in charge of their own playoff hopes and dreams. But they put themselves in position... To capitalize if another team fades. And they're right there. It's only the loss, or the, excuse me, the tie by the commanders that has them in front of Detroit and Seattle. Good for you, Dan Campbell. And I say, NFL, who says they can't get flexed? They need to be. We need to see a big Detroit game coming up. I want to check their schedule. Who says we can't get flexed? See what I'm saying? We need to check their schedule and see what else they have, right? If there is a possibility. Hold on. I'm on it. Talk amongst yourselves. It won't really take me that long. Second place in the NFC North. They've won six of the last seven. Okay, well, at the Panthers, that's Christmas Eve. Likely not to get flexed. Against the Bears, who are officially eliminated from playoff contention. That's on New Year's Day. Also unlikely to be flexed. And then at Green Bay, the final week of the regular season. Again, probably not for a playoff spot, which means that we're not going to see them flexed. But weren't the Lions the only team on the NFL schedule that didn't have a primetime game this year? That'll teach you NFL. You drop the ball, suckers. If the,
1: if the Panthers had won this week, or uh, on Sunday, yesterday, last night, I would have said that that could have been a possible flex game with the division still in. The on line. Christmas but, Eve, yeah,
0: no. may I don't know, maybe. Aren't Dolphins Packers the primetime game on New Year on uh, Christmas yeah, I think Eve? So, so if that's the case, well, it's hard to say what I'd rather watch, but I can certainly see where there's value. Just for fun. Let's flex them just for fun. Because Dean Campbell, I promise I'm not a lunatic, is fun. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You can find me on Twitter, A Law Radio. 1,100 miles to get back here in studio. (laughs) I left my house on Thursday afternoon. It was snowing. I went through heavy snow and then lower elevations, heavy rain, then back into heavy snow. Then heavy rain. Then back into heavy snow. Princess Leia was a champ. Four hours of snow and then rain. And then snow and then rain. But I made it to Blacksburg, Virginia in one piece. And my niece's graduation was Friday morning. She was so happy. We yelled. We might have been the loudest family in the entire arena. I'm sure that doesn't surprise you. My brother's actually louder than me. Just trust me on that. And so we had her graduation. We kind of moved her out of her apartment, at least some of her stuff. We had Cracker Barrel for her graduation lunch. (laughs) That's my family. We were so hungry. We didn't care. And then we were home Friday night after another four and a half hour drive. Oh, my gosh. There was so much driving. And then Saturday, got to hang out. There were 10 of us in the house at one point. So it was nice. A precursor to Christmas, had some extra family members in town, and my niece is totally worth the 1,100 miles I drove in under four days. Couple of nights here on the show, and then boom, Christmas vacation. Oh, I might have to watch Christmas vacation too. I know, it's stupid, but it's still my favorite holiday flick. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Why do I feel like Dean Campbell could have a part in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? I promise I'm not a lunatic.
1: I feel like it could be in a ton of buddy comedies or really just any comedy. Bro. Yeah. Bro comedies. Bro comedies. Could he? Rom-coms.
0: With uh, Vince Vaughn and Will Ferrell, he would fit right in.
1: So, I mean, I, just take my money. I'm going to see it.
0: <laughs> Dean Campbell. He's got acting in his future. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For home loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can that already do that. Oh, okay, phew. Sometimes I forget and I do it again. You just have to excuse me. I just got a tweet that with my hiccup on the air, the perfect show is no more. Oh, well, that was pff, hours ago. All right, so here's what we know. The Bills and the Chiefs in the AFC have both clinched playoff spots. Bills on Saturday night in what was a wild and snowy affair with the Miami Dolphins. And then the Chiefs win their seventh consecutive AFC West Division title. Not since the Broncos won Super Bowl 50 in Peyton Manning's last season. Has any other team won the division crown. But it wasn't as easy as you might think against the Houston Texans. One of our wacky, weird, wonderful, jaw-dropping, I-don't-believe-what-I-just-saw finishes in the NFL this weekend. So that's the lay of the land in the AFC. Two teams have clinched. They both have 11-3 and records. Just behind them, a 17-point back for the Bengals puts Cincinnati on top of the AFC North and the only other team with double-figure wins. So those are your premier teams in the AFC. Buffalo holds the tiebreak over Kansas City for the bye. And then the Bengals are sitting at 10 and four, though they've not clinched anything yet. In the NFC, the Eagles had already locked up a playoff spot. The Cowboys get in by virtue of the Giants' win on Sunday night. We're going to get to here momentarily. The Vikings spot their opponent 33 points, and then they decide they'll come back. I don't, as crazy as it looked and felt, I think it's fairly obvious why the Vikings were in that hole to begin with. They gave the Colts 21 points off turnovers. I mean, that that's how it happened. So how about stop turning the ball over, play like you want to be a division champion, and maybe then you're not giving your opponent freebies. So in the second half, Five touchdowns, 36 points. They force overtime. Wait, did they force overtime? No, wait, they didn't force overtime. Yes, they did. Yeah, 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 they did. They did force overtime. The Vikings. Yeah, the Vikings and the Colts. My gosh, it was all a blur. So, yes, they need overtime, but they rally from 33 points down. They get that game-winning field goal. Toward the end of overtime. Oh my gosh, I thought we were headed for a tie. I remember now, I was talking about with some family members. Are you kidding me? We cannot have another tie. Especially not between the Colts and the Vikings. That'd be the Colts' second tie this season. Oy. Instead, the Vikings snatch victory from the jaws and feet. And they're able to lock up the NFC North after what was their fourth week of trying? Yes. <laughs> Try, try again. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And then going back to Thursday night, the Niners. They win the division title. They've got the longest win streak in the league right now. It's seven in a row. And they're also at double figure wins. So now circling back to Sunday night football, because this is also for playoffs. I hate this phrase. I apologize every time I say it. If the postseason ended today. Wait, no, that's not even what I say. Dumb. Now see, the wheels have come off the show. All right, let's try that again. Take two, or three, four. If the regular season ended today, if the playoffs started today, it's a Monday, I drove 1100 miles. You don't have to cut me some slack, but that'd be nice of you. Both the Giants and Commanders would be in the playoffs. In fact, the entire NFC Beast would be in the playoffs if the regular season ended today. It does not. I don't even know why I bothered. I screwed it up anyway. I shouldn't have even bothered. (laughs) It was a game that Washington played around its bye, right? They had Giants before the bye, Giants after the bye, when last time they got together on the field in the New York Metro, they played to a tie. It was gross. You knew points were going to be hard to come by. But not if you got Kayvon Thibodeau on the hunt.
1: Heineke in a shotgun set Takes the snap back to throw He's under pressure Sacked by Thibodeau The ball's loose On the ground Scooped up in the end zone For a touchdown on Thibodeau with the sack The forced fumble And then the touchdown He completes the trifecta And the Giants take the lead The closer has entered the building He has been a monster In this first half of the football game And Carl Remember when he sacked Heineke At yep. MetLife
0: Stadium He just sacked him this time he went in with the old LT chop and forced the fumble. And it was so impressive because he's getting pushed out wide by a lineman. Right? So he's still his momentum. He keeps turning. He keeps moving. He gets around the lineman. He chops the ball away from Heineke from the from the backside. Chops the ball away. The ball goes forward away from Heineke. Away from Kavon. And so Kavon then... Keeps moving along the goal line and picks it up closer to the far pylon and is able to get in for the end, into the end zone for a touchdown. It's a very athletic move and very fluid for the rookie defensive end. I'm hungry. <laughs> he has been an incredible draft pick for the Giants. They got a lot of first rounders. They got a lot of guys who are playing critical roles. Kayvon has stepped on the field right away and made an impact when he's healthy. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. The Giants do the opposite, though, later in that second quarter. 97 yards, eight and a half minutes. Ball control. Isn't that what the Commanders did to them the last time they played? And so they're able to get Saquon Barkley into the end zone, and the Giants are up two scores. But it wasn't going to be that easy. This is Taylor Heineke. He's fearless. He's always flying around like a bat out of hell. That's a compliment. And so you knew he was going to have a little something-something for the Giants.
1: Down inside the 20-yard line at the 19. Robinson is the back. Heineke is in the gun. Here's the snap. Heineke fakes the handoff. Back to throw. Looking. Fires down the middle for the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Taylor Heineke puts it on a line to Jahan Dotson. Sixth receiving touchdown of the year. This one from 20 yards out. And Washington caps off an impressive drive with a touchdown strike.
0: Ryan Radke on Westwood 1. Now they missed the point after attempt, so they're still trailing by five, which made things complicated. Let's be fair, it was complicated the rest of the way for the commanders. Middle of the fourth quarter on the 5 yard line. Favre. Nope, not Farv. Has anyone seen or heard from him in like months? He's gone into hiding. I wonder if he's in the Bahamas. Do they have an extradition policy in the Bahamas?
1: <laughs> if they don't, that's where he
0: is. <laughs> oh, goodness. Actually, I think they do. Didn't the crypto guy go to the Bahamas and got arrested there anyway?
1: I, I'm not sure about
0: that, but. I swear he. Sam Friedman. No, I don't know his name. Sorry. He Frank. He fled there and they got Sam- him. Sam. Frank, I don't know. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. I don't he know his was, name. He was in the Bahamas and they got him anyway. So, nope. Fav is on a different island.
1: <laughs> Somewhere else. Try, try another place, bro.
0: <laughs> on the five yard line. Yes, it's all gone horribly wrong here in the final hour on after hours. Five yard line. Heineke gets sacked and fumbles again. All right. So, I don't want to hear any, the ref stole this game. The refs that, the ref that. No. How about don't fumble on the five-yard line in the middle of the fourth quarter when a touchdown will put you in front? How about don't play all fast and loose with the football in the first half and have it knocked away and picked up for a touchdown? That's a, that to me is a far bigger detriment to the commander's attempts to win this game. I mean, there's no way that you can blame the referees or the officials, when you're giving up points the way that you were offensively, but also when you're wasting opportunities. So after that sack and fumble, the Giants take four minutes off the clock, Graham Gano kicks a 50-yard field goal, and there's a last-ditch attempt for the commanders. Now, they did have a TD wiped off the board. With a minute to go, Tara McLaurin gets called for an illegal formation penalty. And this one is interesting. We may hear more moving forward, but Terry says he checked with the official before he lined up, before the ball was snapped.
1: I feel like I was on the ball the uh, entire time. If you look through the the game, I lined up there pretty much every play. So I checked to see if I was good the first time, and he was like, like move up a little bit. So when I moved up, I checked to see if I was good, and he said I was good. So, um no, I'm not trying to get fined, so we had our other opportunities before it to come down like that that's tough. Terry, he told did you hear him tell you that you were okay? Yeah, I did. Like that's why I'm giving him a thumbs up twice to make sure I was I was good. But I mean in that event I guess I can't make it close for a judgment call, but uh like I said I feel like I checked with him twice. So, so-
0: So, Terry McLaurin is saying the official told me I was good and then throws a flag. I can understand his frustration. Ultimately, the New York defense holds in the red zone after that touchdown is wiped away. And the Giants desperately needed this win. They had just one win in their last six. Kayvon Thibodeau, the rookie defensive end, a dozen tackles, three for loss, a sack a fumble forced, a fumble recovered, a touchdown. He was everywhere.
1: This game was gritty. You know, if I had to really tell you about it, it was a game that, you know, we knew you had to dig deep, right? It's cold, it's freezing, you hurting, everything. Everything is against you, you know? And um, I think us as a team, we took it upon ourselves to call our fights, right? At the, as a D-line, we, there was no dodging, right? Everybody called out who they wanted. There were definitely some nerves there, but uh, a lot of faith in our defense. They did a really, really good job. All game really um, holding them, and then came up came up real big at the end. Um, some big time plays plays by those guys. So hats off to them.
0: That's Daniel Jones, and certainly with Saquon Barkley going for nearly 90 yards and a score for them able to play the ball control, uh, the defense doing its thing. There was some ugly offense, let's be fair. The teams combined to go three for 20 on third down. (laughs) But ultimately, you knew points were going to be hard to come by, and that those turnovers, the takeaways, the sacks, uh, obviously the stops uh, in the red zone would be critical, and the Giants did what they had to do but certainly it's frustrating for Ron Rivera because everything they want is right in front of them.
1: On defense, we had, we had a, you know, a couple opportunities to turn them back, uh, you know, on, on uh, one on third down situations and one on a fourth down situation where we could have stopped them, you know, and gotten, you know, great field position. And, and that's probably it. I mean, just a couple of plays on the defensive side for the most part. I thought we moved the ball really well. We just get into the red zone and stall out. Um, I thought defense played amazing. I really I really think the, the turning point of that game, the biggest play of that game, is the, the sack fumble for a touchdown in the first half. Um, that doesn't happen. Our defense is playing well. Um, that's, that's a tough one.
0: We ultimately did not include the commanders in our Monday mortification poll, though certainly there's a sour taste there as they wake up on a Monday, especially losing this game at home. We chose four teams. The Buccaneers seem to be a perennial entrant into our poll. Well, weekly. Perennial, you know what I'm saying. They just keep coming back. The Patriots, though, they're in there too. The Colts, the Titans, who've dropped four in a row. So check out that poll on our show Twitter, After Hours CBS. Also on our Facebook page, and we're asking you as well, what's the craziest thing you saw during this wild, wacky, weird, and wonderful football weekend. This is what happens. The NFL doesn't like it when you pay attention to the World Cup or really anything else. Your Christmas shopping, they just suck you back in. You're trapped. We're trapped. We we can't quit you, NFL. It's a codependent relationship. (laughs) It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio.
1: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. shotgun snap Joe catches the ball from the 10 throws to the end zone Boyd goes to the ground yes. he's got yes. it touchdown nice. Bengals Burrow in the gun mixing to his right Chase out to the left Boyd out to the right Burrow looking his throw Give caught it. by Chase heads for the end zone touchdown Bengals Joe Burrow with his third touchdown pass of the second half, and the Bengals have a chance to go up by 10. It's a football feeding frenzy after hours with Amy Lawrence.
0: Dan Horton and Dave Lapham on Bengals radio. They were down 17 0 late in the first half, but. The Buccaneers went from playing their best football of the year to playing their worst half of the year. This has got to be rock bottom. Four consecutive drives with turnovers. Four consecutive drives with Tom Brady turnovers. Two interceptions, two fumbles. Joe Burrow has four touchdown passes, all of them, in the second half after not even 100 yards total offense in the first half. It all went horribly wrong. And it happened so quickly. One turnover, okay. You're still in the lead. Two turnovers, all right. But then how do you not say extra careful with the football? How do you not make that a priority? Just bad. And so for Tom Brady and Todd Bowles and the Buccaneers, they fall to six and eight on this season though. Crazy enough. They've still got a game lead on the other three teams in the NFC South.
1: The two fumbles were, you know, my fault. It was uncharacteristic. Um, you know, one of the interceptions was um, just a terrible throw, and the other one, I think, you know, the guy made, I got hit, and the guy was laying on the ground, the ball landed his arm, so. A lot of things that happened. Could be blocking, could be a bad ball, could be a great play. I know we turned it over in six possessions. We probably played them all on the plus 50 going in. Uh, in the second half and field position from that standpoint turnovers uh, not getting red zone stops with some penalties had a lot to do with it it's a team game you know we're not placing blame on one side of the ball or the other we're, we're in this thing together and we're going to fight we just can't turn the ball over and when we do we got to make stops
0: the bucks are still in control of their own destiny there's that phrase again it's true if they went out They still are the division winners and will host a playoff game, like it or not. We saw, interestingly enough, we saw this Brady's first year in Tampa, the year they won the Super Bowl. They were a wild card on the road at a losing team, the Commanders, who won the NFC East. Well, actually, back then it was the NFC least, now it's the NFC beast. But it's kind of ironic. They could end up being below 500 and hosting a playoff game now in Brady's third season. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Six straight wins for the Bengals' hottest team in the AFC.
1: Exciting game, but uh, an ugly one that, that we were able to pull out. And that just goes to show you that you know teams like we have, they just find ways to win games. And you know we keep just talking about it, and guys just keep stepping up and making big-time plays for us. We're never out of it. You know, we've we've been in these situations before, and, and we always come back and make it a game, and today we, we were able to come back and, and really put them away there in the second half.
0: So Joe Burrow and the Bengals are now at 10 wins. We saw this from them last season where they started playing their best football toward the end and rode that and the hot hand offensively all the way into the AFC Championship. The Ravens lose on Saturday against the Browns in what was an abysmal offensive performance. The Browns pick up that win, right? So now they and the Steelers inch closer in the AFC North. Though right now you want to talk about being in control. It's certainly certainly the Bengals who are playing their best football and are also able to kind of win out or win two of three and end up with that division title. But really quickly, while we're talking AFC North, the Steelers, without Kenny Pickett, take care of business in Carolina. Trubisky under center. Turns. Hands it off. Najee, stiff arm. Gets to the five. Stiff arms his way into the end zone for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Touchdown. Second and goal at the one. Do you sneak it again? I would. Well, let's see what Mitch does. He does. He goes up over the top. Touchdown, Mitch Trubisky. And for Mitch, his second of the year rushing. And the Steelers open up a double-digit lead.
1: hard Fort game. I think we played an attrition game today. Uh, We wanted to win the line of scrimmage on both sides. Uh, I thought we were effective in doing so. I thought we ran it on offense and and played behind our running game. I thought we did a good job of minimizing their run on defense. And obviously, that was big. Appreciative of of the efforts. Um, Obviously, we could have played smarter in some instances. Uh, Penalties are not how we... We choose to live particularly some of the 15-yard variety, and so uh, hopefully there are opportunities to learn from that. It's good to learn.
0: You ask me who I want to co-host a show with right now in sports, it would be Mike Tomlin. Appreciative of the efforts. He would drop that in at least once an hour. I mean, I have my catchphrases too. They definitely made an effort. In the red zone, three, three for three. Bill Hillgrove with the calls there on Steelers radio, three rushing touchdowns. And they dominate time of possession, nearly 13 more minutes with the football than the Panthers.
1: Man, I'm just appreciative.
0: <laughs> He's always appreciative. Actually, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense holds Carolina to not even 215 yards of offense. It was tough sledding for the Panthers, so their playoff hopes take a bit of a hit. Though, again, right now in the NFC South, it's the Bucks at 6 and 8. And then it's the Panthers, the Saints, the Falcons, all at 5 and 9. Coming up, it was – well, it was perfect. On Saturday night in Orchard Park, New York, with the snow, an AFC East game, the Bills with yet another strong That's I'm selling it short – strong. Can we call it epic? I, don't, I feel like we have to save that word when it comes to Josh Allen. It definitely was – A bully effort from Josh Allen in the fourth quarter against the Dolphins as they rally for the win at a fourth straight playoff spot.
1: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Josh Allen signaling to his players as they get lined up. Takes a shotgun snap. Going to keep it himself and run, and he's got room. Josh, into Miami territory at the 35, at the 30, inside the 20, and he's finally knocked out of bounds. Devin Singletary in the backfield with Josh. Allen takes the snap, wants to throw, steps up in the pocket, fires into the end zone, and is caught.
0: Dawson knocks, touchdown, Buffalo.
1: Off the Field. On the money and after hours, it's time to talk football with Amy Lawrence.
0: Also had a game-winning field goal for the Buffalo Bills. Tyler Bass knocks it in from 25 yards out. John Murphy on Bills Radio. And there were some low moments. Josh Allen has a fumble that leads to a Miami field goal in the second half. Uh, They also give up 13 points to the Dolphins in the third quarter, but ultimately prevail. And really impressive that Dawson Knox touchdown drive in the 4th. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We're pleased to welcome on short notice Jeremy White from our Buffalo affiliate WGR 550. Jeremy, when I say four straight playoff trips, considering what was an extended drought for the Bills before that, what's your reaction?
1: It's great. <laughs> uh a lot of people around here, you know, we talk about the team like you talk about any team, but um 17 years without the playoffs and then to make it five out of six and four in a row any conversation about how uh, they need to be this they need to be that everyone kind of stops and looks around and says man it's really great to be talking about it like this Uh, It's so great to be in the playoffs once again so um bills fans do not take it for granted it was almost two decades of missing (laughs) so everyone around here is pretty happy pretty much all the time with regard to that
0: Sean McDermott talks about how the Pagula family took a chance on him. He moved his family to Western New York. He's so humbled by what they've been able to accomplish since he got there. How has he changed the culture after that 17-year drought? Well,
1: the number one thing he did, you know, stability is, is a big thing. And while they've made it five out of six years, the defense has almost always been really good. He came in and the defense was good pretty much right out of the gate. Travis White is an early draft pick for them. Uh, Jordan Poyer, and Micah Hyde. These guys kind of backstops the secondary, and it, they all introduced us to what Sean McDermott teams will be, which is really strong defensively and stopping the pass. And they are every year, pretty much. So, you know, changing the culture is about stability. They stopped rotating through coaches and quarterbacks. And, you know, the Josh Allen draft pick and development was a big part of it. But, you know, that stability, he made the playoffs in his first year. So, you know, after the 17-year drought when McDermott makes it year one, everybody can kind of sit back and say, all right, let's see what else can happen uh, under this guy. So stability and, you know, just overall preparedness. His teams generally play a pretty smart brand of football.
0: What have they lost on the offensive side of the ball with Brian Dable's departure to New York? Or, sorry, the Giants.
1: Well, they lo- a little bit of that stability, you know, Brian Dable stayed here maybe a year or two longer than people thought he would. There were rumblings about head coaching positions. He interviewed with the Browns. And, you know, with Brian Dable, he was here through Josh Allen's entire development from a rookie year right up until this year where he goes to New York. So um, changing coordinator, of course, that's like this big X factor whenever we do talk about this team, about what's different and any sort of issues the offense might be having. We know there's been a change there. So, They lost a little bit of their creativity, maybe. Um, They used to run a lot more trick plays, and I know there's way more to creativity than just trick plays, but the Bills would bust those out in big games and big moments, and it almost gave this feeling like they were so confident in what they could do in uh, exploiting matchups, whether that's a throwback play to Josh Allen in a playoff game in Houston. They had really no fear, and this time around, it might be a little bit different, but they – Seem to keep getting the job done, and that's, of course, a large testament to how good the quarterback has become.
0: Jeremy White is with us from Buffalo, our Odyssey affiliate, WGR five fifty. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Considering how familiar uh, Bills fans are with the pain of coming so close and not getting that Super Bowl ring, you think about the last two years. How do you think the the playoff exits short of their goal? Um, against the Chiefs, have made them a better team or made them more prepared.
1: Well, it might come down to like the next couple weeks, and I, by that I mean their goal coming into the year was to get the one seed and to not have to go to Kansas City. They can win in Kansas City; they've done it twice in the last two years in the regular season, but it hasn't happened in the postseason. So one way they've been prepared is, you know, they ch- they kind of changed a little bit of their off season. They go get Von Miller to be the closer to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And that did happen in the regular season. Of course, Vaughn's out for the year now. So th- they are not afraid. They don't, they don't view the Chiefs as any sort of uh, mountain they can't climb. And the next couple weeks, we've got three games left here. So if the bills can finish the job, they won't have to go to Kansas city. They can get Patrick Mahomes here. If he makes it that far, Mahomes has never played a road playoff game. And <laughs> That's people crazy. here. Wa- yeah, right. People here <laughs> want that to be here. So it's been a goal all year long, and now three games away from making it happen.
0: What is the Bills' Achilles heel, Jeremy? What's their fatal flaw?
1: That's a great question. It could It's probably something on their offense, whether it's the offensive line, which has been a bit banged up. Mitch Morse left the second half of this game against Miami with a concussion, and there was a noticeable drop-off. The line is okay. Their weapons, they've been trying to scrape through at receiver. John Brown and Cole Beasley both brought back to this team on the practice squad, and We'll probably be seeing them get elevated up and down the lineup a little bit. So they're trying to get through what I, with what I think is an offense that is just not quite as flush with weapons as it has been. And that might be the Achilles heel. On defense, it's about injuries. I mean, they've banged up all year long and finding a way through as well. So um, they've been getting the job done. It's, uh, you know, it's been stressful at times. Mm. It's been some close games. But, uh, but I'd say the offensive line and the offensive weapons might might catch up with them.
0: Bills are the only team in the AFC East that won in Week 15. Every other team took a step back. Of course, the Dolphins losing in Orchard Park on Saturday night. What are your impressions of the division that started out so strong and actually at some point looked as though we might have four teams competing for the playoffs?
1: Well, both the Dolphins and the Jets have, I think, gained a lot of respect around here. The Jets really a lot more than people thought. I mean, that's, that's a team that's kind of been like the Bills, a last-place franchise for a while. And the brand defensive play is impressive. The Dolphins are coming for the Bills offensively, right? They want to throw it around with, with Tua and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And with New England, uh, we love to laugh at them. It's the greatest thing on earth. It's the best we can do. That's the team that was on top for those 17 years. So the way that game ended uh, yesterday, we'll probably spend more time on that today than the Stop Bills. It. Stop no, it! Stop it! We will have our fun. There's nothing we like more than making fun of the Patriots right about now.
0: I have noticed that uh, all of your last handful of retweets were Patriots reporters or Patriots insiders who were quoting uh, (laughs) either Bill Belichick or different players in the locker room about that end of game, the three seconds and the bonehead decisions.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's glorious. It's delicious. We have no shame when it comes to watching them fall apart.
0: But okay, before I let you go, when you're watching it actually unfold, uh, can you even believe it?
1: No, no, can't believe it. But I mean, I guess with that franchise, the way things have gone lately, wh- when they play the Bills, they don't look like who they used to look like. I mean, and I mean, it, it, it's it's nothing short of wonderful. Whether it's <laughs> um, you know the coach and throwing tablets, or if it's Max Jones sitting on the ground, this is uh, a scenario where, where people around here will get quite. They'll get a lot of mileage out of it.
0: It is all-out war, is what you're saying. It was a lot of yeah. years of of running into that Patriots team and feeling like they were the one thing that was standing in between the Bills and what they wanted to do. So as a, I, I hope Bills fans are okay being a front runner, though, because I think sometimes sports fans are better if they have more to complain about.
1: There's no doubt about that, and <laughs> that <laughs> there's a there's a little element. The only thing that changes that right now is that one seed. I mean, the idea of going to Kansas City again, it's just, it's not this task that they can't, you know, or something they couldn't do. Or going to Cincinnati, too, because the Bengals right there, and the Bills play the Bengals in two weeks. So a very, very very big game. But last year, that 13 seconds, the loss in 13 seconds, it wasn't just the Bills were 13 seconds away from beating the Chiefs. They were 13 seconds away from hosting the AFC Championship game against Cincinnati. So, you know, we all here in those final 13 seconds, people were planning their Sunday about going to the stadium and that got ripped away. Right. So, this whole year, a lot of it has felt like righting a wrong. Like, get the job done, get it back home, get it here, and, you know, see if you can finish the job.
0: Another step clinching a fourth straight playoff berth. You can find Jeremy White on Twitter at JeremyWGR. Getting ready to start his show in Buffalo at the top of the hour. So, I appreciate a couple of quick minutes. Enjoy your morning ripping on the pats, Jeremy.
1: We will. We will.
0: Thank Amy. <laughs> yes, for sure. Our Buffalo affiliate, WGR 550, have done a couple of shows from up there. And uh, my first job in radio was in Rochester after I graduated from Syracuse. And so I'm familiar with the Bills Mafia passion. All right. We had a bunch of wacky, weird, wonderful, just all kinds of crazy finishes in the NFL in Week 15. We put them together for you. Mac Jones hands it off on a draw to Ramondre Stevenson. Breaks out of a tackle at the 50. Has the 45. Breaks away from another tackle. Pitches it backwards. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones at midfield.
1: And Stephon Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. It scores. Oh my goodness. Mahomes. Hands it off to McKinnon, trying to dart left. 25-20, downfield block. 10-5, touchdown! Kansas City! Terrific run by Jarek McKinnon to win the game in overtime on a 26-yard run. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won the AFC West for a seventh consecutive year at second all-time in national football league history in division dominance shotgun for prescott he drops to throw looking looking fires middle of the field and
0: that ball is
1: picked off it is picked off by rayson jenkins he's running it back along the right sideline that is going to be a touchdown that is going to be a touchdown (laughs) the Jags are going to win it on a race, Sean Jenkins, pick six. Are you kidding me? How good is that? This will be a 43-yard kick from the right hash. Snap. Kick is up, and it is good. Oh, Cameron Dicker. He doesn't have a pulse. He just swung his leg, turned around to high-five the holder. Golf up under center. Justin Jackson alone back. Golf's going to throw it. Back and looking, throws wide open left side. Brock Wright with it to the 30. Brock Wright, 25. Brock Wright, 20. Comes back at the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Oh, my. 51 yards.
0: Goff to Brock Wright, and the Lions are back in front. Oh, baby, how big is that? Wow. We did that all for you so you could hear it. The Raiders radio network, the Chiefs, the Jags, also in there. We had the Chargers with Corey Dicker. That's after a 35-yard strike to Mike Williams to get in field goal range. And then Dan Miller on Lions Radio. A taste of what we got in the NFL in Week 15. We back tonight after Monday Night Football. Survive your Monday. It's after hours CBS Sports Radio. Boom!